Catwoman. Catwoman, will you never learn? <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to A Hispanard, the Batman Special Edition, where everything that we talk about this time around will be the bat, breaking down the bat, understanding the bat, loving the bat, hating some parts of the bat, but for the most part, digging the bat. What am I talking about? Yeah, of course, the Batman, if that isn't already clear. Uh, let's start out with what was going to happen and what ended up happening kind of by mistake. I mean, well, here, I'll let you be the judge. Anyway, originally I was all set to uh, watch this movie, though I was not necessarily excited about it. I had talked it over with uh, Kenji after seeing the trailers. I, I was not impressed and I was worried. But I thought, well, okay, I'll go see this with Kenji. And then somewhere in the middle of wanting to go with him, I grew disheartened and just thought, I, I don't want to watch it. I'm just not into it. I ended up getting a text from a buddy of mine who who loved it. Shout out to Chris from San Diego, uh, who told me that, you know, it was really good and that he was hoping that I, that I would go check it out and give my two cents on it and see what I thought. But I, you know, I still could not muster the, 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 the love that I wanted to have in my heart. I couldn't, uh, muster the enthusiasm. <clears throat> anyway, my wife took that all out of my hands when I had made a decision that I was just going to wait. Uh, we had just gotten HBO Max for free uh, through like a, a deal that we did. And uh, so I thought, ah, I'll just wait until it comes out on HBO Max. But anyway, my lovely wife uh, talked to uh, her sister and my brother-in-law and they wanted to go see it in the theaters. So next thing you know, we made a big, you know, double date thing of it. And, and we took along some of the kids, some of the older ones. And we went to go see this movie. And I'll start out by saying the things that I didn't like just to get it out of the way. Because I think it's important. <laughs> the first one being, uh, there's a Walmart by my house. So it's one of the places that I run into really quick if we need something for the house. It, you know, It's one of those giant ones that has... It's half a, a, a grocery store and half, you know, everything else or, or, you know, a quarter of everything else rather. You know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so I, as I would go there over the, uh, over the past, you know, few weeks, I would walk by the toy section and just in a huge area, I mean, there was a, a, a pretty good chunk of real estate in the toy section that was being taken up by the Batman toys. I'm going to say why I don't like this or, or what it is about this that I don't like. After watching the movie and before I even saw the movie, I had this thing in my head where I thought, I'm not sure that this movie's for little kids. 
I mean, I could be completely wrong. I might end up going into a movie that ends up being a little bit goofy and has those moments that that you know are uh, they're they're toy selling moments. Yeah, this movie was not one of those. Uh, I went in not knowing what to expect, and then I came out thinking. Not a single toy on the floor of any location, whether it be Walmart, Target, Best Buy, you know, any place that carries toys, none of these toys are for children. They're not for little kids. Any parent that is taking a, let's say, let me see, what are these toys targeting? They're targeting 12 and under, maybe I would say, or 10 and under. Any parent that is taking a... 12 and under to see this movie is uh, I'm questioning your parenting uh, life choices I really am this movie is not for children it's not for little ones I'm not even sure it was for my 15 year old that I took along with me I mean it, it the movie I'll explain in a little bit so I don't know who those toys are for other than for me and People with it in my, you know, anybody like 16 and up, I would say, <laughs> is, that's who those toys are for. So that's kind of a head scratcher for sure. Um, let's see. Let's let's go over the things that I didn't like. I didn't like that it was as long as it was. It, there was no reason for the Batman to be as long as it was. In fact, Warner Brothers and, and the director, I believe his name's Matt Reeves. I hope that I'm getting that right. I will look it up. But... Um, the the movie was almost a perfect Batman movie. I mean, one of the closest to almost perfect solo outings, and and I'll explain more of that as as I get into it. But I was I was pretty shocked and surprised by that. If the movie had been edited down to two hours, I think it would have been. I mean, a near perfect Batman film. And I'm going to do this at the top here. I give this movie four sombreros. And I'll tell you why. I'll explain it all uh, all, and why it's why it hovered between three and four sombreros and why ultimately it's it stuck the landing at four sombreros. But, yeah, so this movie was too long. Number one, that, that was a negative. Two, the, uh, the Batman slash Bruce Wayne... Um, uh, narration o- over the film at certain parts that could just go away that does not need to be there I did not like that at all I didn't like that Robert Pattinson the actor did not invest more time into his body if you're going to play Batman and and I actually I'm going to point out something that I thought was really cool that I was telling Kenji about when I was breaking it down to him but um, at work but if you're going to play Batman and you're not going to be huge, like bulk wise, you need to be ripped. There needs to be something about you that says, you know, hard and menacing. And you can't have a, a, a normal body, you know, a normal thin, lean body, whatever you want to call it, and then expect you know, to pass as the Batman. In fact, the things that I didn't like about this movie are the Bruce Wayne moments. They, uh, this, this is one of the few times where they could have done an entire movie without a single Bruce Wayne moment 
and it would have completely worked. So, did not like that the actor did not invest more time and effort into into his body. He definitely should have. So, and, you know, again, the running time, I didn't like that as well. But now I, I really want to dive into it. I'm going to go first from memory, the things that I can remember, and then I'll go ahead and dive as well. I, I'm doing a lot of diving here. You'd think I'd be swimming. I'm also going to go into uh, things that I found online uh, that talk about e- Easter eggs and kind of break things down a little bit more. But l- let's start with, for me, the look of the film. The look of the film is amazing. I normally do not like dreary, you know, drained of color, uh, monotone films. They don't do it for me. I, I usually, I, you know, I understand what what the director is trying to go for, you know, in something like that. But usually it doesn't resonate with me. For this movie, I thought it was perfect, particularly because it would they would the the director would offset moments of dreariness with these bright i mean still on the darker uh spectrum range of color like a like a deep red or a or a deep orange yellow you know you you would still see, you know or or a, a a blue hue so you would still get these colors that would burst into the into the scenes and and it would be like a, a a really great contrast to the rest of the world that you've already gotten used to so you've gotten used to grays and and browns and you know like very stark metallic colors and uh so so you got that going on or or you know or even sickly yellows and then boom you would have like a burst of red or a burst of you know uh, orange yellow uh, you know, like a like a like a setting sun, you know, or even <clears throat> there's a there's a moment where you see Batman uh, as Bruce Wayne riding around on his on his regular motorcycle, not on his bat cycle, and uh, you know you get to a section of Gotham that is basically like a representation of Times Square, and you know there's bright colors there contrasting with the uh, rain, and oh my lord, was there a lot of rain in this movie? This movie was constant rain which again was used to a really positive effect it made me wince a little bit whenever i saw people ride motorcycles in the rain i'm like oh how 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 are they not falling like how you know how they're not slippage going on i'm not a motorcycle rider so i you know i don't know how cyclists handle the rain but man it just every time i thought there's got to there there had to have been like a hundred spills on on you know behind the scenes because Man, there was a lot of rain in the movie. So everything's all slicked and wet and it's pretty wild. But anyway, getting back to the 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 things that I loved. I loved the art direction. I loved I mean, I think it took maybe about a minute for the costume, the actual bat suit to to grow on me and to solidify. There's there's a particular artistic um uh, direction that they went with in the bat costume the he he has a collar and the collar is connected to the the cape and the way that that looks it it very much reminds me of and i and i 
already talked about this guy before, but it, it bears mentioning again. It completely reminded me of Gotham by Gaslight, Mike Mignola artwork, very steampunk, very steampunk, very Victorian. That collar, I mean, with the combination of the collar, the stitching on the helmet, and the way that the ears. You know, these particular ears, the way that, that, that they were uh, formed and, and, and stood up, how they were high-pointed, it very much reminded me like of a steampunk, you know, Gotham by Gaslight, uh, Mike Mignola art style. I'm repeating myself again, but it bears repeating again. I loved, loved the way it looks. The the armor itself that, that he wore was, for the most part in the movie, very understated. You almost forgot that the armor was there. And, you know, at certain certain moments and, and certain angles, you could definitely see the, the armor, the way it was it, it was segmented and the way that it was uh, welded together and, and, you know, how it gave him more bulk. But he, he honestly seemed more natural when he was in the Batsuit than when he was just being Bruce Wayne. That, the, you know, they've talked in the past, people have talked about how, Bruce Wayne is the mask and the real, you know, person is the Batman. In this movie, I felt like they really did achieve that. Like the the Bruce Wayne, whenever you got Bruce Wayne, not that he was acting and and you know waiting to get into the suit, but rather that was his shadow. And the real person, the person that is the most alive is the person that is in the suit when he's doing Batman things. So this movie <clears throat> really flirted with the PG-13. I mean, it took it to the edge. I was talking about it afterwards with my brother-in-law, and we were just, I was fascinated, but we were, you know, describing to each other how we thought this movie really, I mean, just took it to, like, at any moment, this could have turned into a a, a horror, you know, uh, serial killer R-rated movie. And they were able to straddle that line. All the times that you see with the Riddler are tension moments. I mean, there's a... I'm going to spoil the heck out of this, you know, in my remembering. So if you have not seen it and you want to see it, pause this, go see the movie, and then come back and see if you agree or disagree. But, you know, the the beginning of the movie, you, you're just hearing this... this you know bone rattling uh breathing and and you know that you're the observer in this you know it's a it's a pov and you're looking into someone's house and uh, anyway once you see that shift over and you see this guy is by himself in his house and he's watching a debate that he's having on on tv that he must have had earlier and now he's he's checking out reviewing it and he's on the phone with someone you see the riddler not be there and then the riddler's there and he's behind him and that moment of the guy not knowing that someone is in his house i mean just you know not arm's length necessarily but maybe six feet away from the guy and you know he the riddler's just sitting there like uh, you know, a serial killer like uh, uh, the Zodiac Killer, you know, just just sitting there with glasses and some crazy leather bondage mask on. 
staring at the guy, watching him pace back and forth, and just biding his time, just waiting for the guy uh, to finish up basically his phone call so that he can then viciously attack him. And you can see they played it really well too because the Riddler attacks the guy and it's just like this raw emotional physical outburst that actually does not have a lot of oomph behind it. If the Riddler did not have this heavy garden tool, this I mean this metallic or I don't even think it's not a garden tool. It's a uh, sorry, it's a carpenter's tool. If he didn't have that with him and he didn't hit the guy square on the head, I, the guy was fit enough that he would have been able to turn around and just pummeled the Riddler. I mean, the Riddler, it, it gets established he's not a physical being in the sense that he does not, he, you know, he doesn't have any skills with his hands. He's not physically capable. He's able to do what he's going to do, but, you know, hurt people physically. But all of it comes from catching the person completely 100% by surprise. And there's another element too where the Riddler can achieve this as well because he is in control of the moment when he's in the moment. So he's not panicking. He's not wondering if he's going to be able to overpower this person physically and get it done. He knows he's going to get it done because he has the means to get it done and he trusts in his intellect and in his planning to be able to get it done. So it, it was fascinating to see that, uh, that that type of tension and that type of, of, of reality and fact of someone who's not physically capable the way the Batman is still being able to rely on his on on his planning and his wits and timing to to be able to do what he's going to do to the people that he's doing it to. And again, just I mean, super creepy that I thought they used the Riddler ridiculously well, you know, cuz he actually doesn't get used that much. The the total screen time of the Riddler is not very much, even though, he, you know, he's the main bad guy. And I will say this. Let me throw this out there right now because I, I mentioned it to Kenny, to Kenji, and I wanted to uh, put this out there before I forget. The Riddler is the hero of the movie, meaning the uh, it's not because, you know, not because he's a good guy and not because, um, well, here, let me explain. So, so the Riddler... Uh, maybe unintentionally is the hero of the movie he's the he's the the vigilante hero of the movie because he's only going after corrupt people he's not going his motivation isn't money his motivation isn't control for control's sake his motivation isn't to build an empire he you know he's not he doesn't have the joker's motivations or any of the other you know, Batman rogues gallery motivations in this movie. His motivation is he was a lost orphan child that was forgotten by a system that promised that he would be safe and that he would be cared for. And that hatred that came from that because of corruption, not because he was forgotten by mistake or he was abused 
because you know someone was covering something up and kept it secret it was through corruption that the riddler became hurt that the riddler uh, became the person that he became and the people that he went after were it was everyone in the city that had major ties to a system that helped to foster and create corruption in gotham and you find out in the movie the waynes were a part of that and in fact you find out for example rather than rehashing yet again the story of of uh, martha and and um oh man i can't believe i forgot uh batman's dad's name but but basically the waynes you know you find out first of all that that uh martha is is actually an arkham is her original last name then she ended up becoming a, a, a Wayne. But you you find out the secret history of the Waynes. You find out how far, uh, you know, Batman's father is willing to go to protect his wife and to keep her safe. Th- you find out she's in and out of, of mental institutions. And, you know, ultimately, they do a really great job in the movie of giving you different pieces of a puzzle that you don't really understand at the beginning that there's a a big puzzle going on and then pulling all those threads together to tie it up into who may have been responsible for the death of the Waynes, how that came about without again giving you the scene of a young Bruce coming out of, you know, the movie theater with his parents and experiencing that, that trauma. In fact, you don't have to relive it again through uh, a young Bruce because at the beginning of the movie the 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 guy that the Riddler kills he's got a young son and and you see Batman now sees his reflection in this boy you know he's just lost his his father he still has his mother but basically the same kind of parental trauma and it's a it's a good it's a nice little bridge it reminds the 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 movie you know watcher of of Batman's history without actually having to give you Batman's history all over again. And then you get to sympathize for this kid as well. So that was brilliant. Um, You know, whether it was intentional or or unintentional to make the Riddler like the, the, you know, basically the vigilante hero of the movie by going after the corrupt, the, the only moment that you see where that doesn't ring true or stay consistent is when the Riddler decides that he has to go after uh, Bruce Wayne as well. And, you know, he, in the movie, he talks about the sins of the father uh, being paid for by the son. So in in that regard, you realize, like, yeah, he's completely insane. There's no direct connection or correlation or, you know, you can't even prove that Bruce Wayne is corrupt in any way that he would be able to, you know, that he would deserve the Riddler coming after him. And luckily in the movie, and I say luckily because I think it could have been handled really poorly, you don't you don't see the Riddler ever physically go after uh, Bruce Wayne. Instead, and I'm jumping around a little bit, instead he sends one of his Riddle packages to Wayne Manor, which at this point is not actually, you know, it's not a house. I think him and... Um, 
Alfred are living in what looks like a high-rise of some sort, like a gothic, really cool-looking uh, high-rise. And a bomb gets sent to that location. It's meant for Bruce, but Bruce is not the one. He's not there. He, you know, he doesn't open it. It ends up being Alfred, and Alfred ends up getting hurt and lands in the hospital because of it. But anyway, going back to this Batman, uh, this Batman is a a thoughtful Batman. You know, he's a a Batman that has has roughly very very loosely and roughly been accepted by the the Gotham PD they don't like him showing up but at this point in in their relationship which from what I've been reading this is like a Batman year two rather than a year one so this is his second year as Batman he's already had had a little bit of experience and already fixed some of the mistakes from year one so while you can't say that this is a seasoned Batman, definitely a Batman that has a, a year under his belt at least and knows a little bit more what he's doing. And again, has been in the city long enough, excuse me, that the police know who he is. They don't necessarily think highly of him. A lot of them are afraid of him. But because of Jim Gordon and the relationship that he's developed and fostered with, with Jim, who at this point is... I think Lieutenant Jim Gordon, he's not the commissioner at this point in the movie. Uh, and he vouches for the Batman. And it looks like that relationship has been going on for a while. So, you know, you, you see the Batman show up at the first crime scene. That's when you see the first riddle. And then that's when things, you know, start uh, and the first clue. And that's when things, you know, really start hitting it off. Um, like I said, the narration is not something, it's something that I could have done without. In my mind, there's a perfect movie without the narration um, where you just see Batman popping up in different sections. One one thing that I really love that they use to really cool effect is there are moments in the movie where Batman is announced through his walking. So he's got, you know, his boots start clacking really loud and he's coming out of some dark area and, you know, you see wh whoever it is that he's coming up against, like they hear it, they don't understand what it is. And then when he starts to, I mean, basically coalesce, like he's, you know, manifesting out of the darkness, like it, it's a pretty cool moment. It's a really great effect in the movie. You know, one of the times that this happens is he goes after these, uh, what can only be described as a Joker gang, even though they're, you know, they're never described that way, but they, they have clown makeup on and you know there it's a bunch of dudes that are like uh, you know just the dirtbag ruffians you know that that um seem to live for chaos and 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 uh, hurting people and they have like themselves videoing you know they they're vi they have videos of themselves like randomly punching people uh you know and they're like in in the subway at one point and they're laughing and then you see this uh Asian guy stand up and he's like, you know, I got to get out of here. And, um, so then, then they end up targeting that guy and they're like, okay, there's our next victim We're we're going to go ahead and, and, uh, rough this dude up. And that interaction you see, you know, the Batman show up and beat the crap out of these dudes. And if you've seen the trailer, this is the moment too, where Batman punches one of them in the neck and it looks like in his gauntlet, he has a built in taser and just, tases the crap out of this dude and drops him and 
ends up dropping everybody except for one of the guys it's like a kid he's got a half half his reg- half his face is regular the other half is the uh the the joker mask uh style paint job but yeah it's a it's a really good sequence uh, you get to see at, in the trailer i wasn't as impressed as i ended up being when i saw the movie because you, you see the batman just unload on these guys and it actually you you can see this there's a you know there's a moment where he says he's vengeance but really he's controlled rage and the control is barely there like and it contrasts really good to for example the moments where he's interacting with the the police he it's almost like the police are beneath him in the way that that uh, Pattinson plays him he's just very slow very methodically looks around at everything doesn't really react when people are saying things to him or about him you know he's he's sandboxed in his own his own world you know his own making and uh and not that he disdains the cops i don't want to put it like that uh but there is definitely this like apartness and maybe that maybe that's the way that i I would put it is that he he even though he's among the cops he's apart from them so so there's that contrast right there of him gliding through a room and and looking at everything and seeing it in a different way than the cops see it to you know stepping into a a uh a train platform and then unloading on these dudes and and i feel like okay that is the other part that's the real batman as well is this raw rage and i mean they they played it to really great effect so <clears throat> Rather than going line by line through the movie, I'm just I'm, I'm going through the parts that I remember that I really liked. Uh, they had some really cool homage moments that uh, that I thought were homage moments, in my opinion. I'll find out whether I was right or not in a minute. I'll go to the uh, to the Easter eggs, but a couple things that I noted: there's a there's a moment where you realize that the Riddler has sent something over to, to you know, to Wayne Tower, I, I believe is what technically it is. And Batman's trying to get a hold of somebody there because he realizes what's coming, you know, that there's danger there. And when the film shifts over to the phone that the Batman is calling, it's very reminiscent, although it's not red in, in this particular scene, it's black, but it's got the same kind of... Uh, old school it's an old school uh, rotary style phone with the uh, different buttons that light up for that mean different things depending on who the caller is very reminiscent of Batman 66 and the same phone that Batman would use to get the uh, the call from uh, the commissioner when there was a problem going on because at the time if I remember Batman 66 did not have the bat signal so that's the way that the commissioner would get a hold of Batman when he needed him for when some chaos was happening in the city. So that was a cool little homage right there that I really enjoyed. There's a moment where Batman has basically, he, let me see, the Riddler has blown up a dude's head and the Batman was too close to the moment when it happened. So he ends up getting concussed by, uh, you know, the blast. The police take him back to the police station and they start, debating at one mo- uh, one point whether they're going to take off his mask or they should take off his mask and he opens his eyes at that moment and just jumps off the uh off the table 
that he's lying on just starts to attack, you know, push push the officers back and everybody, the tension is up really high through this period. But um, anyway, so, so the cops are pushing to unmask him and and they're using you know that not not that batman's a suspect but basically that he's he's getting in the way of the investigation and now he's a part of the investigation and he's also a bat the batman's throwing around you know uh, allegations as well so there's a moment in the precinct where him and jim come up with a plan of how to get him out of the room and, and escape so that he can continue to you know to do the investigation and not be in jail and uh he punches jim starts running you know through another door then you see this kind of fun moment of all these different cops coming in from different areas and different uh uh like the the way this station the way everything in gotham seems to be set up it's like a multi-leveled um location rather than the precinct being a single floor down at the bottom like the classic style this is more like a you know, like a high-rise precinct with all these different levels, um, and and you see all these cops coming at him uh, that are trying to capture him. But when he makes it out into an area that has basically like a skylight, and you see, you know, the the surrounding edge is, is stairs that go all the way up or down. You see the Batman look up, and he pulls out his grappling hook and he fires. Totally reminded me of. I mean, to me, it was like a love letter to Michael Keaton and Tim Burton's Batman. That's exactly what it reminded me of. Same thing that when um, when Alfred is at uh, you know Wayne Tower and he's the one that receives the um, the package and he's about to open it to look through it in the same room as uh, Alfred. You you know you see. Um, a Shakespeare, uh, William Shakespeare statue, which again is a is a little nod back to Batman sixty six. The way that that was the way that uh, Batman Robin would get into the uh, Batcave was by uh, you know pushing up the head, and there's a button there, and then the the uh, uh, you know the the what do you call it? A part of the library wall would you know, move off to the side and you see the bat pole and he would go down that. So they, they have those uh, little things like that are, are all sprinkled throughout the movie. There's another moment where the uh, Batman's back at his, uh, at his bat cave and he ends up feeding some information into a computer and then the computer spits out a piece of paper, which again, back to Batman 66 classic style, uh, the, the bat computer, so it's just little homages like that that I thought were super cool and they were very subtle. And I think it was uh, a lot of fan service in that way. And also just a lot of love to different things. I mean, even the the bat suit itself reminded me of, of uh, the, the Arkham Asylum video game, the, the Batman game. It had that kind of uh, militaristic, I mean, I don't even know what, I mean, more steampunk, I would say, not militaristic, but I mean, definitely heavy armor, but again, there, there's there's that Gotham by Gaslight moment kind of look, and then also a slight militaristic look as well. I, I don't know, just very cool, Like, but it did remind me of that, uh, of that video game. So, um, again, the, the Batman overall, I thought, 
could have been a a, a first rate, fantastic, you know, five sombrero, two hour movie. Uh, instead, it was a little bit, uh, you know, the the last forty minutes did not need to be there, so that definitely took away uh, for me. Okay. Anyway, so let's get into some Easter eggs that I found online from a website called Looper. Numerous nods to 1966 series, which is exactly what I was just talking about. So the director, Matt Reeves, apparently quite a big fan of the original 1966 Batman TV series. Prior to shooting the Batman, he attended a Batman 66 exhibit complete with a plethora of photos he uploaded to Twitter. That that influence seems to have carried over into the Batman. For starters, you can find a bust of William Shakespeare in the background of Bruce Wayne's office. This is an allusion to 1966 Batman where Bruce Wayne, played by Adam West, would access the Batcave through a secret switch that he kept hidden within the bust of, of you guessed it, William Shakespeare. But that's not all. Later in the movie, Batman runs down the side of a building using a... Uh, Deckle cable. This is another allusion to 1966 Batman as the Keep Crusader and the boy Wonder Robin, played by Burt Ward, would often scale the side of buildings using a cable. And that's not even mentioning the fact that the Riddler, Catwoman, and Penguin were featured prominently in the series as well as the movie that came out based on the show. And that's right, that is actually a really cool sequence. Uh, you know, the Batman uh, goes ahead and, and, and tethers himself to. Uh, I don't know, like a like a pylon, like this metal, you know, uh, pylon inside of the building, and then he proceeds to run down the side of the building rather than go up the old school way that they did. And that shot looks really, really cool. Okay, so let's see here. Riddler reveals his real name. Naturally, Riddler is not the character's actual name, but most audience goers probably know his true identity as Edward Nigma. This has been his real name in the likes of Batman Forever and Gotham. In true comic book fashion, the name shortens to Enigma, or Enigma, yeah, which is appropriate for a man who loves puzzles and riddles. However, for some, the name might be a bit too cartoony for more serious fare, which is why the character has the name of Edward Nashton in the Batman. In the comic books, post-crisis on Infinite infinite earths it's established that riddler's birth name is edward nashton it allows the character to have a more grounded persona but in true supervillain fashion he changes his last name to nigma to better fit his new persona director and co-writer matt reeves has yet to publicly state why he opted to go for the nashton name but after watching the batman it's easy to see why the film takes on the tone of a dark noir film so having the primary villain have a pun for a real name uh, probably wouldn't work for the more down-to-earth feel of the movie. Still, Reeves managed to squeeze in a nod to Riddler's alternate names throughout his comic book continuity. When Riddler's apprehended at the diner, the police find two alternate IDs on his person, hinting at the various names he's held over the years. Oh yeah, that's right. Riddler flooding Gotham is a reference to Zero Year. This is probably... Uh, the movie could have definitely ended before this. Um, that the flooding of Gotham is is the last act of the movie. And it really didn't, in my opinion, didn't bring anything to the table. Uh, you know, you end up 
there, there is a pretty funny moment in the movie actually that made me chuckle where uh, there's a video that Batman is kind of sweating over because he thinks it might reveal that he's Bruce Wayne, but instead it's a, uh, like a final video from the Riddler to his 500 followers. And it, it it's played so funny because he's like, hey guys, <laughs> he's like, I really appreciate uh, all you guys and the support that I've gotten uh, through this uh you know, through that social media that he's using. And it, it's, it's, it's funny because the rest of the time that you've been experiencing or meeting or, or dealing with the Riddler, it's just been this, you know, terrifying breathing and terrifying acts of violence, and just creepiness. And then you get this moment of, Hey guy, I mean, there's even a moment where he's, um, He's making this guy that has a neck bomb on. He's he's uh, shooting riddles at the dude, you know, he, like verbally saying, "Hey, man, if you solve these three riddles, I will uh, I will stop the bomb from going off, and you will go free." And uh, even in that moment, he's giddy, laughing, and he's like, "Yes, yes, you're doing it." <gasps> You know, it's still terrifying, but but then you have this completely other you know moment where you're like, oh, the dude doesn't have a breathing problem. He doesn't have to breathe like that. Either. And it's that other that that last video. Hey guys, how's it going? Thanks for the support. <laughs> Made me chuckle, and makes me chuckle now. Um, but yeah, so the flooding is a reference to year zero or zero year rather. Uh, let me, which is, you know, in the comics, let's see here. Yeah. There's something here about the Easter egg that references a moment at the end of the film, which again, you know, I'm I'm not going to keep harping on it, but the, the, it didn't need to be there. In my opinion, we didn't need this thing that, that was alluded to. And I'm talking about the serum, uh, called venom which is the thing that flows through Bane's body. And it's the thing that gives Bane superhuman strength. You know, when Bane was introduced, one of the shocking moments of the Batman history is because of this stuff that's, you know, this venom serum that's flowing through Bane's body. Bane is able to uh, grab Batman and break his back. And he, you know, it's a iconic uh, piece of art now but you see him you know just smashing batman's back onto his knee and just breaking batman's back at that moment in time and you know shocked everybody around the world it was equal to you know the death of superman which was another shocking thing you know around the world and for a little while dc had a, a good run with doing these crazy shocking moments that were Un, that you weren't expecting where the heroes really truly lost in some way and, you know great storytelling you know in my opinion i think if you might go back to it now it might be a little cheesy but still i again iconic uh, iconic art iconic moment and you get to see a little bit of that in in this movie in the sense of you know for the comic book geek who knows you know that you're looking at some um version of that venom serum it it definitely wakes bruce up like he's had a hundred you know cappuccinos all of a sudden or or ad shots it's like uh 
like he's gotten a venti uh you know iced coffee and then they've dumped a hundred ad shots into it and he's just like ah! you know gets up and just starts going off you know on on one of the uh the riddler henchmen but it not something that we needed in the movie um let me see if there's any other easter eggs here so batman movie similar to riddler's cards it could just be fun easter egg uh to hint at a larger world out there after all the universe of the batman oh, after all the universe of the batman will be further explored in hbo tv hbo max tv series centered on gotham pd and penguin so there are plenty of avenues for bane to make his way into the franchise yeah they're definitely uh developing i mean the i haven't even talked about some of the performances the penguin was probably one of the best uh performances that that i've seen in recent memory when it comes to a villain that is you know they managed to to give him to give the actor enough room to do a variety of things there's there's like comedic moment but he's also menacing and he's also greasy and grimy and um you know just really well done really great performance uh by uh, who was the is it colin farrell i believe that the did the the penguin performance and you would never know that that dude is under all that i mean just looks like a completely different human being and it's crazy too the penguin is like scarred up in this and you know he's definitely a big time player in in this movie as far as uh the you know the crime underworld goes but he's able to to not get in trouble he's able to you know circumvent or or step aside of being uh being incarcerated which was kind of interesting that and, and i know he wasn't the main focus of the movie so you don't really have time to delve into how they're going to or what they're you know how they're going to capture the penguin and put him in jail or what they would do do it for necessarily although as you see throughout the movie there's plenty of things to get him on you know he's dealing in in uh these crazy drugs that that uh really mess people up he's you know dealing uh there's like there's a club and then there's an under club uh you know after that and they've got you know girls working for them and you know it's just it's the typical super seedy stuff um that you would see in any kind of crime movie but you know aside from him trying to get away from the batman at one point um and not succeeding uh that was a, a part that my wife chuckled at and it was it was because it had to be movie magic so you see the batman driving and, and by the way i'm converted i the batmobile for this particular uh iteration uh, of, of the batman is is pretty awesome i did not think that i was going to like it in fact i didn't even like it when i saw the commercials and i saw the thing moving in the commercials but the way that it's used to to the effect that it's used in this movie actually i thought was a lot of fun and was terrifying i mean you see the batman turn the car on and while it's while it's winding up and it's revving up it's making this crazy noise and it's terrifying if if i saw that thing going 
I'd be like, what in the world is that? What kind of monster is that, you know, in the dark coming after me? And, uh, so I, and then once you see the thing moving, it's pretty awesome. But the part that my wife chuckled at is the uh, penguin causes this major traffic accident with uh, semis. And one of the things that is, you know, that is, uh, Behind the penguin, in front of the Batman, are two semis and also one of those car, uh, you know, car mover things that has the uh, the the ramp, the the <laughs> for, to to load a car onto. Uh, as there as destruction is starting to happen and the penguin is starting to get away, that car with the ramp, I mean the the ramp like drops from you know hitting uh, some of the other semis. And it drops down, and the Batman uses that opportunity to like just launch the Batmobile off through fire, you know. And and the Penguin's like, you know, I did it, I got away. Da, da, da. You know, he's going all crazy. And then you see the that the, the thing you see in the trailer, but actually looks really cool because of the entire sequence of the Batmobile just flying through fire, landing, and then smashing into the Penguin, and you know, having him go off the side of the road. It was pretty cool. Um, I, I loved the uh, the portrayal of, of Jim Gordon and the actor that played him. Who, You know, you've seen him in everything. The guy's like got a great voice. He was actually the, uh, the voice for the Watcher in Marvel's What If. And so he's just been, he, you know, I saw him in What If and previously before that, and I can't remember the actor's name, but previously before that, I the last time I'd seen him, was in the this last 00, uh, 007 movie, which I had completely forgot. My wife and I started re- to rewatch those. Once we saw the last one again, we went back and started rewatching those. And then we realized a- a- and figured out why the relationship with with that actor and 00, you know, the, the character that actor is playing in 007, why it was meaningful and why when spoiler for 007 when the guy dies in the movie why it it actually makes sense in the 007 franchise that you know the James Bond franchise it was actually a really cool thing to be able to go back and look at the movies and see that the guy actually went through the entire franchise with James Bond um anyway this actor he's got a fantastic like this you know gruff voice <laughs> i also like that he kept calling the batman like hey man Hey man, he just kept saying that it was pretty funny, um, but yeah, great, uh, great cast all around. The only thing that I would say that uh, was a misstep when it came to the characters was probably uh, Catwoman, and not because I didn't like uh, Catwoman, and I, and not because I didn't like uh, Zoe Kravitz, uh, you know her her portrayal of Catwoman. I actually liked it a lot. What I think was lacking was the 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 heat between her and Batman, which you know, kind of the 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 intertwined history of the two characters is the kind of heat that is generated between them. It's you know, Catwoman is one of the the few people slash characters that is able to have Batman make mistakes because he drops his guard and and he bleeds a little bit with his heart even 
even if he knows that he can't reform Catwoman, although currently, you know, they've, they've been toying around with that for the last few years in the Batman comic book of giving you a, um, a Selina that is willing to be reformed because she's willing to also drop her guard and follow her heart. Um, but so, you know, the, in this, the, the, the heat, and the the connection between the characters I, I didn't really feel it at one moment she you know at one point in time rather she kisses the batman and there's some passion in that for sure there's another moment where she the the catwoman breaks into the uh the first victim that was killed uh by the riddler she breaks into that guy's house and into his safe to pull out a um you know, there's a secondary story that's going on about this this girl that got killed, and they're trying to find out where she is. And and although the movie doesn't come out straight out out and say it, like it, you don't have to infer very far to realize that this is Catwoman's girlfriend, and that you know how how worried she is for the girl. And and when you do see the the two women interact, you know. Catwoman's like, it's okay, baby. It's okay. You know, we're, we're going to get out of here. So they're living together. They're clearly together. And the, that, that togetherness wasn't exploited in my opinion, not exploited, but wasn't explored rather not exploited. What am I saying? It wasn't explored well enough or deep enough to give you, you know, a really, um, to make you feel like, like, like Catwoman is is as invested in in this lover of hers, you know she's got too many motivations in this movie going on. She has this woman that is her lover that has disappeared, but she also has her father, which is I think Falcone. If, if I'm getting uh, the per- the the different characters right, you know, and she's got a personal very like understandable very relatable grudge against against this man who is father by uh genetics and not father by you know actually being in her life and caring for her at one point in the movie you find out like he he she tries to kill him and he turns the tables and starts starts to kill her and in the process of choking her out you know he explains how she's just like her mother and so now he has no choice but to take care of her the way he did of her mother you know the way he did her mother which is to to kill her by choking her which you know pretty pretty brutal and wild but i would say in this movie like the riddler who ends up accidentally being you know the the hero vigilante of the movie because he's trying to take out corruption uh Catwoman has more story than the Batman. In fact, the Batman is the only thing in this entire story that does not have much of a story. And the little bit of a story that he has actually doesn't have anything to do directly with him, but rather with the history of his family. So you come to find out that the Waynes were not clean and they were not, you know, as um, upstanding as you would have first believed. You're, 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 you come to understand that they, you know, particularly, uh, um, you know, his dad, 
had to, felt like he had to do shady things in order to protect his family, which is completely understandable. But again, that doesn't really have anything to do with Bruce. That's more of an incidental, you know, after effect of of being a Wayne. So, and and Bruce, his motivation and and his reason for being the Batman and for for living this life and really foregoing so many you know so many opportunities and chances like finding love or you know building a business you know anything that a normal person would be pursuing he's given all that up in the pursuit of justice for a person that he did not really understand at the end of the day or at least he comes to the conclusion like i really didn't know my mom and dad as well as i thought i did they weren't the clean saintly people that i thought that they were you know, and my whole motivation for what I've been doing for these, you know, the like the training and learning and, uh, you know, and taking on this persona that is more me than my regular self, like it, that gets a little bit shattered in, in the fact that he, you know, he doesn't, the motivation, the reasons for what he was, for why he was doing what he was doing are not clear anymore and they're not, um, he, he's going to have to find a different motivation, which, you know, he, he, he's adopted the city as, um, as his child and he's adopted the city as, you know, some, something that needs to be cared for. And, and, uh, while he at first in the movie drives, you know, um, not drives, but he lives his relationship with the city through fear you know, making sure that the city's afraid of him. At the end of the movie, he's trying to inspire hope and bring hope. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I I prefer my Batman who who does everything through fear. Um, it it's more compelling to me. I'm not really looking for a hope Batman. Leave that to Superman. Totally fine to have that that contrast. In fact, that's one of the things that makes Superman and Batman work so well is that they have the same goals but they don't have the same motivations. They have the same, they want the same outcome, you know, people being protected, people being safe, criminals being locked up, but they don't have the same philosophies of how to get that done or how, you know, or where they're going with those things. So I, I like that. I, I want that contrast to continue to exist. I'm not looking for a hopeful Batman. I'm looking for a Batman that uses the dark to his advantage and is able to wrap himself in the dark without ever getting to the final you know edge of that darkness one of the cool things in this movie that i liked is you know he him and um uh, the batman and 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 gordon are going into i i, I want to say it was the arkham asylum at this point it's it looks like it's abandoned maybe or it might be uh the other location that is not arkham it's uh black blackgate maybe but so they're going into this this spot and you see Gordon take out his gun and the Batman's like, no guns. And he's Gordon's like, hey, man, that's your thing, not mine. He's like, I need a gun. And, you know, so the Batman lets it go and they, they start to move in into the building. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I like their relationship as well. Going back to the Catwoman-Batman relationship, you could see that it could turn into something. It was like the beginning of something. But because she had so much more story going on than the Batman did, and, and you know, the resolution for her 
with her girlfriend is that she finds her dead her, her and the Batman find her dead in, in one of the uh, mob boss cars but it's not satisfying that the conclusion you know she doesn't grieve the way that you would expect if you know a lover was murdered uh, she definitely tries to take out her f rage on her father but the motivation to attack and kill her father you you kind of don't even need the the fact that you know her girlfriend got was killed you know whether she was killed directly by her father or indirectly but i'm pretty sure she was killed directly like literally he likes choking women that's what he to death that's that's like his mo in the movie um i almost felt like you didn't even need that just the fact that he you know didn't acknowledge her and, and you know she finds out he, you know he killed my mom like that's more than enough right there like abandonment uh and you find out that you know this person did something horrible to the only person that ever loved you when you were little like that's motivation enough uh so yeah between that uh the 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 stealing and the cat burglar aspect of her is really almost secondary in this movie it's like an afterthought you can see one of the, actually my favorite things about her is you can see the skill set that she has she's very physically um like capable at, and i even like I, I love her fight sequences because they're they're more realistic in the sense of when she's going up against a bigger opponent you know and a, uh, a male uh they can overpower her so the way that she her fighting style uh is done in this movie is she relies a lot on like kicks her legs which are going to be like the strongest part of you know anybody's body and and then she uses objects around her to you know to her advantage and to do the most damage you know against people when she's fighting them so yeah i definitely dug it but i was going to go back to another moment too that was almost like a you know unless i'm misreading it was definitely seemed kind of like an erotic type of deal where she breaks into the, that dude's house the first guy that got murdered breaks into a safe her and batman batman shows up all of a sudden like <laughs> that's another cool thing about the movie is batman will just show up like uh like jason or <laughs> yeah I mean, basically he's just like he's not there and then he's there boom and, and like no matter how fast you run you can't get away from the dude and uh and he'll disappear in the the classic batman style of you know you look away for a second you look back he's gone and you're like oh he's he's gone <laughs> but they get into a fight and then uh they're they're you know going back and forth back and forth uh and all of a sudden they both hear that somebody's coming up to where they're at and then you find out it's a police officer so they're hiding behind a wall and he's got his hand over her mouth and he's holding her close to the body and in that moment that looked pretty like oh okay something's going on here there's some some uh chemistry going on you know but uh that's kind of really basically it i mean they have that they have a kiss they do work together for a minute but it it's not it's not there yet and, and I think it could be. I, I definitely, like I said, I like the actress and I like her performance and I like the, her physicality, the way that she moves and, and fights. And I could see her, if she were only more playful, if they ended up making her more 
playful and wanting to push Batman's buttons and wanting to tear down walls and also uh, not only being vulnerable, but, you know, being sultry at the same time. I could definitely see that relationship moving somewhere where it compromises Batman and puts him in a, in a really tough spot. So, you know, the, this movie has done very well uh in in the box office so people have been going to check it out i know some people that have seen it two three times so this is definitely going to have a sequel i hope that the same team comes back uh because they you know the just the vibe and look and the direction you know feel of the movie is fantastic i also hope that if matt reeves does get feedback you know criticism that he does pay attention and listen to you know the ones that are constructive if you know people are saying hey man you could have cut out this much from the movie or you could have you know turned in this and and let go of that that he's able to look at that feedback and and he co-wrote the the story so if he's able to bring the next batman movie you know an even tighter more well thought out you know film dude i'm i'm there and the creepiness and the the vibe and and the the look of gotham can stay exactly how it is i'm actually so down for for the the palette that he's chosen to uh to use for for this new batman series and you know uh, more power to them because it's it's pretty awesome so i i definitely recommend it the the negatives are not even close to uh, the positives. And the positives of the movie is the uh, art direction is great. The, the vibe, the, the, the look and the feel and the, uh, the tone of the movie. Uh, the fact that Batman uses a lot of you know, detective uh, reasoning, not just physicality. Um, and you know, I'm really hoping that for the next one, the, the actor takes his, the physical aspect of the role more seriously and he's able to look more the part, uh, that would be fantastic. I mean, if uh, I think they can deliver something great in this whole team, I, and I almost don't really want that much of a, of a redesign of the, uh, suit. It's almost perfect to me. So I'm, I'm really hoping that they don't muck about with it too much, but we'll see anyway so that is my batman review i definitely recommend it i recommend that you don't take a single child to this as well because i do not think this is a kid's movie the tone of the movie and the the creepiness of the movie and and the the edge pushing pg-13 aspect of the movie i don't think uh, you know any little kid would enjoy it it can be confusing at times i think for a little kid to understand what's going on on screen because you're you're getting as close to a realistic portrayal of a batman as you can possibly get and as realistic portrayal of his world which is dark and twisted and bad things happen to people and there's you know bad things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people and sometimes those bad people deserve those bad things to happen to them but you can't do it in the way that you know taking taking justice into your own hands so yeah it's it again don't really recommend it for 
a little kid, but if you got a 15, 16-year-old, uh, yeah, they very much might enjoy this, this movie. Maybe probably more guy-centric than, than girl-centric. I, um, my daughter went to go see it. My 15-year-old daughter went to go see it, and she thought it was fine. You know, like it, it wasn't necessarily her, you know, her her upper alley she she prefers more of the marvel movies and you know they tend to be brighter and more fun and funny so yeah but uh that is again my review for the batman i hope that uh, you enjoy the film and that you see even cooler things that i saw i don't even think i really got through m- much of the easter eggs that i wanted to get to but i i will say this that i thought the movie did a great job of of dropping little love notes for everything that has come before it all the uh classic batman comic book batman you know there's there's enough there that i think uh any person that has spent time reading batman or watching you know batman films will will see little nods here and there and go oh oh oh, oh that's cool yeah so that's that's um that's what I think, you know, will happen. So enjoy the Batman. And as always, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Well, one, I will say, come see me at WonderCon. I will have uh, at least one Batman thing uh, that uh, to offer. Uh, maybe more, depending on how the rest of the week goes. But I will be at WonderCon April 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. It'll be Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Come geek out with me. Come say hi. Stop by my table. D64, I believe, is my table. It's a corner table in Artist Alley. I am so excited to be back with geeks and nerds and with my people. So you can also follow me on Alex Iniguez Art. And I never, ever remember to spell my name. So let me do that now because it's actually kind of difficult to find me. But it's Alex, A-L-E-X, that's pretty easy, Iniguez, I-N-I-G-U-E-Z, again, I-N-I-G-U-E-Z, and then art right after that. If you type that into Google, I'm the only fool that has it, so I dominate like the first three pages of Google, and I don't even have to pay for that placement. My... Last name is such a weird blessing that I'm the only person that pops up with that. So you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You know, I'm everything else is still under Hispanards. Uh, so we have, you know, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff as well. And uh, everything's linked with everything else. So just the place that I'm, I show up the most and, and I'm most active is on Instagram because it's one of the few places where I you know there's not much opinion going on it's it's a visual uh social media so it's all about uh posting you know fun cool pics or videos and my you know the two things that i do the most is i'll post a silly new poster that i create uh that pertains to whatever it is that i'm talking about for the podcast that week or I'm posting up artwork that I'm working on. So that's about all you're going to see of me. I'm not, you know, uh, it's not that I'm not a political creature, but, uh, you know, how? what am I going to say that's any better than anybody else is already talking about? I'm not sure that my perspective is, is the greatest on that kind of stuff. 
uh, you know, if you ever really want to know, I guess you could shoot me a DM and I'll, I'll chat it up. But I really like just posting artwork and, and looking at artwork. Those are my two favorite things to do. Uh, definitely, especially checking out other people's artwork. It's very inspiring. So I leave you with that. I thank you again for listening, for following. Please, 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 I hope that you watch this movie before you came to my uh, rambling podcast about it. I know that I didn't even spoil probably a, a tenth of the movie, but, you know, I, I hope, uh, like I said, that you watched before you came and you listened. Uh, you guys stay safe. Have a great week. I will see you at WonderCon, whoever goes. Otherwise, drink your water eat your vegetables, and take your vitamins, and I will talk to you next week. Bye. You filthy criminals.